Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this day's episode. Whether you are listening in on my podcast, The Best Damn Camp, or tuning in here on YouTube, well, if you're on YouTube, you definitely know what is happening right now because you can see what is currently happening with the fact that I am not alone because someone is also willing to speak with me again. I know I'm just as shocked as everyone else. But uh, <laughs> if you are listening in on the podcast, don't worry, you're going to find out soon enough because I have a very special guest from the Rick Ryden Presents imprint. I am thrilled that she is here. I am a little bit awestruck, but before I get into fangirling mode, allow me to introduce the fabulous Gracie Kim. Gracie, thank you so much for coming to speak with me. It's an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Fran. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. I am still kind of in shock that you agreed to speak with me. It's uh, I'm very excited about The Last <laughs> Fallen Star and just to talk with you all about it and your writing process. Um, <laughs> your Instagram is like one of the the lights to my day the the posts you do are absolutely they're so sweet and I'm just excited and thrilled to see that so many people are already excited about the last fallen star hopefully as excited as I am because I am very 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 excited um (laughs) but speaking of the last fallen star could you tell everyone who you are what you've written and just a little fun fact about yourself Sure. So, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Gracie Kim. I am the author of The Last Fallen Star, which comes out, um, gosh, in like a month now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, with Rick Ryden Presents, as Fran mentioned. Um, a little random fact or interesting fact about me, what can I say? Mm, when I was 16 years old, I may or may not have ran away with a circus. <laughs> It was only for a few weeks. It wasn't long. (laughs) But the story goes that I went uh, for my 16th birthday, my best friend took me, and I fell in love with one of the performers. He was this Colombian, like, salsa tightrope walker guy. Um, And I just thought he was the most incredible human I had ever met until that moment in my life. And I totally fell in love with him. And then we ran away for a while. (laughs) There's a random fact for you. Oh, my gosh. That okay, that is (laughs) that wow. In my head, I'm just like, can someone make a film about this? Because that's like the coolest. (laughs) I would pay, I would pay money to watch that movie. (laughs) I mean, it's a bit cliche, isn't it? You know, it's still running away. (laughs) (laughs) But 
<laughs> oh my gosh what um I just just because I'm intrigued now what did you do in the circus did you like take on an act or anything like that or you just kind of no. yeah I mean I was basically a groupie but I did some ushering you know like ushering people to their seats yeah, yeah. and stuff but it's probably about yeah that was about it <laughs> oh okay I'm still impressed all the same that's wow that's very very cool <laughs> okay you I think you win the award for the coolest fun fact <laughs> yes <laughs> um but in terms of like things going on in your past life you are incredibly impressive I obviously I've read up about you not in a stalker way I felt I need to point out I haven't like I probably shouldn't have mentioned the word stalker because now <laughs> um <laughs> So you've mentioned in the past that you were a diplomat, which, oh my God, just in general, I'm kind of like, that's, that's very, very impressive. I don't, that, wow. I don't have words for it because just the word diplomat, I'm just kind of like, that's, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's insane, but also incredible. But you were also a cooking show host, a plushie maker, and now you're a debut novelist. And I'm just like, that's, you have done a lot in your life. And I, I, I sit in my room a lot and I question whether or not I should be getting out more just from the amazing things that you've done in your life so far. Um, as well as the fact that your debut novel has already been optioned by Disney, which is incredible. But from all these things that you've done in your thus far, really exciting and eventful life, Going into novel writing, kind of what led to you making that switch to become a novelist from all these things that you've done in your past? Well, first of all, friend, thank you for making me sound like an amazing superstar. It <laughs> is not what I am, but it sounds cool when you say it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've had I've had a bit of a patchwork of um, a career so far. Um, so my main job up until writing has been in government, right? So I've been in diplomacy for um, yeah, a bit over a decade. Um, mm. But I guess while I was working in government, I've always had a bit of an itch, you know, and I, I think looking back, it was always just this desire to fulfill a part of me that my my day job just didn't fill you know it was mm. so fulfilling in so many ways it got you know allowed me to travel all over the world and I got to live in all these different places um, I would never have been able to live but I think there was always something missing and I wonder if it was always um because if you yeah if you look at the random things I've done they're, they're always um like creativity related mm. um so I think there was yeah I I didn't know it at the time consciously but I think looking mm. back I just always yeah wanted something a bit more that made my heart sing I guess you know yeah. the that feeling where you wake up in the morning and you think man I'm tired but I'm so excited to get up because of all these things I want to do so I think that's why I've done all these random things but <laughs> in terms of writing so I was finishing up my last posting when I was working at the New Zealand embassy in Beijing and I was getting ready to come back home and I suspect it was probably a bit of a like a quarter life crisis of sorts mm. where I thought okay so I've tried all these different things and you know some of them were okay some of them failed but I've stayed at this one job is this it like is this am I settling in to this life 
or is there something else big that I need to try that I need to just get off my chest um and I asked myself what do I love and I kept coming back to books you know and I know you're a book lover so I know you get it too (laughs) like that that love of um of worlds that you can Mm. discover through the pages of a book I mean you can't you can't buy that stuff, you know, that stuff changes people, it teaches empathy, and it it does such magical things, and I kept going back to books, and then it was at that moment, I had this weird epiphany, or realization, that all the books that I loved as a child, never represented me, you know, I loved Mm. them, I treasured them, but they were not my stories, and it's, it was actually a really sad realization, because I thought they were, and, and when I realized that I was invisible, you know, I wasn't even the bad guy on the page. I was just invisible. I didn't exist. Um, that's when I knew what I had to do. Like I had to write and I had to write my stories, my culture, um, my people, you know, just my experiences. I just wanted to share that, you know, and mm. part of it was probably catharsis of my own, but also just from sheer excitement to want to share these things with other people. Um, So I think that's, yeah, I think that's how I made that jump. Yeah. Although I do want to add that quite often when you hear stories like this, it's, it almost comes across like people just woke up one day and then they had this lightning bolt and it just changed their life. And I have to say it wasn't like that. It was definitely Mm -hmm. gradual. Um, But yeah, that is how I got there in the end, I think. Well, I'm, definitely thankful that you got to that point because from the the parts that I have read of The Last Fallen Star I am absolutely in love with your writing style the story that you are coming across with the relationships involved with the story it's very much a family orientated story with an incredible magic system as well just the magic literally in the story is phenomenal um as someone who I'm, I'm really bad at fantasy based stories I, I'm one of those people like I know what I want to do but when I try to do it doesn't go so well but like the magic and the witches in your story and sort of the magic system within it as well is just fascinating to read and to see um and just in terms of that like what was sort of the most challenging feat when it came to creating this sort of magic system within this world and how do you kind of keep track of the rules and know how it's going to work for these characters and this world itself to be honest I think the hardest part is keeping track (laughs) (laughs) um, I guess when I was brainstorming so when I brainstorm I have this a a three right two yeah two a4s is a3 isn't it yeah mm. so like an a3 sketch pad where I just use lots of different colored pens and crayons and things and just shoot out ideas um and I would come up with all these cool things and I would want to use all of them <laughs> and <laughs> and then I'd start writing and realize through um critique partners and beta readers that they had no idea what was going on you know like this this couldn't work well how does that work when how does a work when b works because then C negates B and then that makes A not possible. So, you know, it just, I realized at that point that complicated is not always a good thing. So, you know, in my head, complicated means a really rich system. Mm. And what I, through trial and error, realized was that actually what is really compelling is when there's like one 
or two main kind of laws of mm. your magic system, things that are unbreakable and are, are true. Um, and if you build a world around those two core facets or one core facet, and everything else has to be believable and relatable, I think that is more powerful. Mm. Um, so yeah, lots of trial and error and friends and critique partners telling me that things just don't work or that I'm being <laughs> too greedy. Um, <laughs> And in terms of how I keep track, to be honest, I don't. Um, and <laughs> and um, case in point, somebody recently was wanting to do an, an interview and they asked me a few questions about how this works and how that works. And I was really stumped. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a really good question. And I'll have to come back to you because I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, so let yeah, me just check my notes. Really hard. <laughs> exactly. Luckily, the advanced reader copies don't have this, but the, the proper copies that are going to come out, the hardcovers, actually has an end paper included in the front. Um, and it has kind of the, the realms. So it has mm. the realms included with the Magohomi, who is the god of, of all creation, and then the different clans of gifted, which, um, gifted witches, as well as their um, ancestor, patron goddesses and things like that. So there's kind of this chat at the beginning of the book that hopefully will give people a bit more of an idea going into the book mm. about what the world looks like in a nutshell. Um, but I have to say, yeah, I don't keep track very well. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, what what writer usually does? I think that's the thing, unless it's in like insanely complex to the point that if you don't keep track it's gonna go very very wrong I think that's stuff that's kind of the writer's <laughs> mentality is like as long as I understand it I'm good <laughs> right <where> I'm <laughs> until readers start to poke holes and you're like oh <laughs> the whole basis of my world does not work <laughs> then the panic sets in and then you're just like you know okay time for denial <laughs> that's where yeah. I'm at. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but in terms of uh fallen star and just your mentioning of the gifted as well so this is set to be a trilogy it is set to be a trilogy i'm just want to double check i've written it i was like wait yes. it is set to be a trilogy isn't it? <laughs> yes. um so um in in regards to that do you already have a plan for how this series as a whole is kind of gonna tie up together um is everything kind of bullet pointed out sort of things? And in regards to that as a whole, from the terms that I've learned from doing NaNoWriMo, would you say you're more of a pantser or a plotter when it comes to kind of planning a series and individual books? Yeah, I'm definitely a plotter. I think pantsers are incredible human beings and I don't know how they do it. I genuinely don't. <laughs> and I would love to have a bit of their magic. Um, because I, th I think there's so much magic that happens when you're writing freely, you know, like your subconscious mm. coming out and like, I can just only imagine how amazing that must feel, but no, I need a plan. I'm <laughs> definitely an outliner. Um, it always changes. I find when, once I start writing, things just go all over the place. But if I don't have that initial plan to start off with, I just mm. can't even start. I just sit there with the blinking cursor, just oh, haunting God. me. Yeah that horrible horrible feeling so yeah no I'm definitely a plotter um and in terms of the trilogy um 
So the second book I've already started drafting and um, we're in the drafting and revision process. So I definitely know what's happening there. But to be honest, um, before that, when I had the first book done and looking at the next two books, I really only had um, the, the larger arcs in mind. Like I knew mm. where I wanted each story to start and end. Um, but that was it. I had no idea what was really going to happen in the middle. Um, so yeah, in terms of the last book, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea right now. Um, but yes, hopefully uh, once I get there, I'll, I'll have a much clearer outline that I can work with because I need one. <laughs> oh, I definitely hear you about the outline um, and, and I agree anyone who is a pantser I have so much respect for because they're right. both like crazy to me but also just like mm. the pinnacle of creativity at the same time if you can bosh out an yeah. entire story with no idea of how it's going to work on all these sort of things just like I bow down like that's incredible <laughs> agreed agreed uh, yeah. no, you know, the other thing I thought um, was really helpful when I was thinking about how the, the trilogy would work that I think might also be useful for other people who are planning series mm. is that even if you don't know what is happening plot-wise in each story, what I was trying to get a feeling of was what the story lesson was for each story. So for my mm. main character in book one, what did I want her to learn by the end of the book? Like, what is the thing that she discovers about herself? what is the core of the story about um and I knew very clearly what each of those three books were in that sense you know just like the mm. one you know like the first book is about belonging and it's about her search for belonging um so I think that is also helpful when when planning series just yeah knowing in a nutshell what the the story lesson is okay that is that is a good to know so for anyone listening who is writing a series very very valuable lesson right there I also realized I probably need to do the same for my series because I don't think I have that and that would definitely be useful for figuring out the main context theme for my characters so I'm definitely going to do that from now on I have learned things I I am already loving this interview so much I have learned so much that I'm definitely going to be implementing so thank you <laughs> you know can I, sorry just to preface I don't think it's necessary like mm. to have one I mean I, I think stories yeah. can be just as entertaining and valuable without different themes mm. but I think if the same character is in each of the series you know whether it's a duology or a tr trilogy in my mind it's more fulfilling and rewarding if mm. each of the lessons that they learn in each of their adventures or journeys are different you know so you're kind of like oh, totally. layers yeah of growth okay that is yeah yeah no I, I totally see that I think that's definitely something that I find is interesting about the series is that the characters that the characters somewhat different in a sense in each book because they're they're still kind of yes. continuing to change and things like that like yes. um, yeah like uh, I'm obviously like a Percy Jackson fan I've got tattoos and everything <laughs> um, <laughs> oh god I, every time I say that I'm just like does that make me sound like a little bit like a crazy fan probably I don't care um <laughs> But, Die um, hard fan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, that's something I find really interesting about the characters in those books. Is like obviously they're they're aging throughout the series as well. But there's a different lesson in, that they have to learn in each book, like a sense of patience, um, how to open up with friends and family, and all these sort of things. I feel like 
is integral to the story at the same time so I completely agree with what you were saying there and um, even things like Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra like the characters always learn something different in those seasons as well um, and definitely adds something extra to the characters so I'm definitely intrigued to see how that's going to work yeah. with your characters as well in in the gifted it is called the gifted series i was just said that and i was like wait is that actually what it's called now i feel bad if that's yeah the gifted clans oh the gifted clans okay yeah i was yeah. close just yeah. missed a word oh no <laughs> friend these are things that you should know as an interviewer um <laughs> oh no no um, on that also the the story lesson thing i actually think that story lesson that that learning that the main character does is the whole point of the story you know mm. i think the plot the, the external things that happen are just obstacles we put in the character's way so that they can get to the lesson so to me if there's no theme right like the thing that they're trying to learn then the plot you know just like a sequence of mildly interesting things I completely agree it's like that whole thing is like does the plot change the character or does the character change the plot sort of mentality mm. as well mm-hmm. um, and depending on how those is, are executed it's whether or not you can enjoy the story or enjoy the character more um so yeah it, it's a really interesting concept just to how these different things can work for a story and what draws you into it and what those sort of things like who's going to be your favorite character at it based on how they interact with the story and what they change with and who they change into from the events um yeah. it, it's, it's a really interesting thing and just hearing how you work with that in your own work and the plan that you've got that for this trilogy um it's really really fascinating um and just kind of in regards to that and slightly to what you mentioned earlier as well about this sort of commitment and this need to write characters and stories that you can see yourself in um so I know you've mentioned that you are committed basically to writing Korean ex-characters onto page and that's like an important factor for you for your writing um it kind of in regards to that like how do you sort of handle any feelings of pressure I guess would be the best way to describe it about making sure the representation is quote unquote right and feels right to you at the same time as well yeah you know that is a constant concern of mine Mm. Um, because as soon as you put a label on something right like as soon as I say this is a Korean diaspora story then every Korean diaspora person is going to want to see themselves in it or at least expect to see a part of their experience in the story or the character and so I always have this thought in the back of my head that I'm not doing it justice for all those people but the reality is I can't tell everyone's story right I can only tell um, one at a time and and all of them is colored by my own experiences mm. so I try to remember that culture is not a monolith so there's Koreans <laughs> and then there's Korean diasporas and then there's Korean Americans in the book and then there's me Korean Kiwi and you know also distinct um, and even within those groups such variety of experiences mm. so I guess I just try to do the character justice um, and within the context that I've put them in mm. that's all I can do I think reminding myself that every everyone's experience is different and that everyone who picks up 
this book will bring their own experiences and their own baggage to it, you know? So for example, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get reviews in and it's really fascinating to see how some people will love a certain part of the book and another person will find that exact same part really bad mm. and vice versa. So everybody brings their own experience and their own um, lens, I guess, to it. And I can't control that. And I don't think it's my responsibility to. So I guess, yeah, I try to keep true to the character that I've created um, and what makes sense for them and their world um, and and accept that all the characters and stories I write will be told through the lens of my lived experience <laughs> um, and that if people can see themselves in that that's awesome my heart feels full at the thought of that um, and if they can't then um, I hope that I could read books that shed light on those other experiences too but you're right it's a it's definitely a cause for for pressure mm. to try to represent you know to try to put um yeah our previously underrepresented identity on the page but I hope I really do hope that if people read my book and think actually that wasn't my experience at all and keeping in mind this is fantastical right it's not contemporary mm. But so a lot of it is metaphorical. But if people do feel strongly that I hope they could start writing too, you know, mm. that that could be almost an impetus for them to start sharing their stories. Yeah. No, I, I totally hear you. And I hope that does work as well. Just like, I think that's the thing that when someone is able to open their, their voice to the experiences that they've had, um, that like in my case, most of my work um, features the fact that I am a gay woman. So most of my characters represent that side of me, uh, the struggle with my identity, the the struggles of coming out and being comfortable with that and, and kind of things like that. But like you say, the, the, the experiences of a community aren't a monolith. Everything is slightly different. There is someone who has one story, someone has one that's a completely other side of the spectrum. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree that hopefully with people being able to speak out, it inspires other people to have that opportunity to speak out for themselves. Um, and I know that's something that has happened slowly over the years where people from different backgrounds and different experiences have slowly gotten more opportunities, whether it's been in traditional publishing or even in self-publishing. There are so many incredible self-published authors from LGBT plus backgrounds, from different minority backgrounds who have this opportunity to tell their stories in the best way that they know how and has then inspired more people to kind of follow in that path. So kind of hearing you talk about that, like trying not to think too much of that pressure because you hope in some form that you sharing this story will help other people be able to share the share theirs oh my god English Fran um, <laughs> um I think is is really inspiring for me to hear as well to kind of see your perspective on this and I know it's always been a concern of mine as well like when I'm able to share this uh, share my own work with the world will people like recognize what I'm trying to say as well so hearing you say that I'm like okay that is the best way I think to kind of approach it in some form and it's a really beautiful way to think of it as well of, of this way to inspire others with your own experiences to share 
theirs um so thank you for sharing that with me I I really do appreciate it um (laughs) I think as long as the story is and the characters are authentic to us Mm. I think that authenticity rings true to the reader I do believe that yeah so I think if we're as writers if we're writing a story and we can tell that if there's that niggly feeling at the back of your head that something's not quite right here people will probably feel that you know and Mm. Yeah, even if our experiences are diverse and different, if it's true to us, I think that travels through as well. Mm, no, I, I completely agree. And it, it's kind of it's kind of great at the same time how all these things are different for other people and will lead to so many different kinds of stories. Like all the things that are currently coming out at the moment. So obviously we have your story coming out. Everyone pre-order it now if you haven't already. Um, <laughs> um, and then we, we've got other authors that come out so we've got uh, Rebecca Kwong I'm hoping I'm saying her last name right Rebecca if you're hearing it and I'm, say, I'm saying it wrong I'm so sorry um, so <laughs> we, we've got her series at the moment which is so interesting and different in its own fantasy world we've got um, oh no I've forgotten the name of the book the the Jade uh, the, oh no it's something jade i've, I've got the audio I'll look it up right now know yeah it. jade war <laughs> that's Fonda it. Lee's book yeah yes Fonda Lee. that's it yeah. yes oh my gosh but uh, <laughs> um just having so many different stories that kind of are similar in the experiences that they're focusing on and the different cultures that they're inspired by told in vastly different ways is just amazing um and I hope more people branch out as well. Like I know that's something that's been in discussion in recent months um, of people diversifying their reading and their authors as well to kind of get more of an experience of the of the literary world. And I know I've been guilty of it where my I, I stick with like comfort reads. I buy so many new books and like I'm one of those people. I buy new books and I read my old ones that I've read many, many times and don't <laughs> read the new ones. Um, I'm one of those people yes I'm ashamed of it but uh, <laughs> I can't stop it um, but I'm getting into that point now of like audiobooks are like my best friend at the moment because I can travel oh, yes. around and listen to it um, and in doing that I've been able to diversify my reading so I've been reading Fonda Lee I've been reading Rebecca Kwong I've read, read um, well read listened to Evan Winters um, and so many other incredible authors that um I would have been able to read sooner, but I just don't have the ability to read properly at the moment with books. But um, it's something so many people are doing and so many people are recommending more authors that aren't in the general recommendations that people do. Like everyone always recommends Tolkien and everyone always recommends Harry Potter or um, Percy Jackson as well. Like it's always the ones that everyone knows the name of and consistently mm. being recommended. But more people now are recommending authors that wouldn't normally have been recommended previously and I think it's hopefully a good precedent of more people getting out there and sharing the names of authors that maybe people wouldn't have heard of previously and help more people to actually realize there's more than the western hemisphere idea of fantasy and you know the very white face of literary of the literary world at the moment and it yeah I, I, it's just amazing to see how many more people are thankfully realizing that there's more than this western idea of fiction um I went slightly off topic there and slightly ranty but 
that was a All's point. All's good. I totally <laughs> agree with you. I totally agree with you. <laughs> okay. <sighs> right. I will start. I'll go back onto topic for everyone listening and watching. I'm sorry. I do this a lot. Everyone who's on my YouTube channel and <laughs> listens to my podcast, they know I never remember to stay on topic. I always go off on a tangent at some point. <laughs> Did not intend to do so in this interview, but it's happened now. So I'll very quickly move on so everyone forgets that I did so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good, <laughs> Phew. Okay, cool. Um, but in terms to, of going back to your own book, so The Last Fallen Star is your debut novel being published and it's an incredible thing that you are coming out with this debut novel that is already kind of getting so much hype from the different quotes that have come out at the moment from people that I've been speaking with I'm uh, friends with the host of the seaweed brain podcast who I know you are doing an interview with as well and me and Erica from the podcast are absolutely obsessed with your story at the moment and are very very excited to talk about it I know they're very excited to talk to you as well Um, but with this coming out soon and kind of the importance as well within the story of family and like personal identity as well what would you say is kind of like the main message you want people to take away from this story Um, or even the message that you yourself kind of feel is the most important even if it's the one that people don't take away so I think um in my mind and in my heart there's two audiences for this book so the first is for people like me who may not have seen themselves on the page specifically Korean and Korean diaspora um, kids Um, I want them to be able to see themselves on the page having adventure and magic and um, and be seen and heard right Um, so that's my first goal Um, my second audience who I'd love to reach and the message I'd like to give them is to anyone who's anyone really anyone who's felt like an outsider or that they have been overlooked or invisible or just felt like they didn't belong. My, my big message I'd really love people to take from Riley O in this book is that, is that we all can be seen and we all can be heard, mm. but it has to start with ourselves first, you know? Mm. And I think that's really hard. Um, it's, it's hard at any age, but especially when you're younger, you just want to be accepted and loved for who you are. And so much is riding on other people, right? You know, like your friends and the cool kids or your parents or your siblings or whoever it is, you're looking for external validation. Um, And obviously that's important. I really do think it's important because we live in a society. We don't live in a bubble of just us. Mm. So that is important, but we need to first learn to accept ourselves, you know, because if you don't, love yourself then no one else can you know if you can't model it how can anyone else take the example so that's obviously a big um lofty goal through this <laughs> this one book about a girl who wants magic um but that is the the goal that's the dream you know and that's what mm-hmm. i really hoped riley could achieve in her story and that others could see and take from her is that yeah we can all belong um sometimes it's harder um but it has to start within ourselves Mm. so I think that's the big message definitely and um from 
what I've read. I'm not saying people will, but I definitely got that message. And I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Riley, I'm going to say it now. She is my favorite. <laughs> she is my favorite yeah. character in the story. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I think at least for me personally, I did identify a lot with Riley, um, especially in terms of that, like that feeling invisible, not kind of feeling like you belong. And with me, just from what we were mentioning earlier about everyone will be thinking of things in a different experience that like Riley's identity issues in that sense, I kind of took that in the sense of how I had my own identity issues, but regarding to my sexuality, feeling like I didn't belong with my family because mm. I was different. I like I wasn't falling into the quote unquote norm of what my family was showing to me. Um, now I'm not saying I cried, but I'm also not saying I didn't cry <laughs> when reading the story. Um, <laughs> it may just be because I'm very emotional as a person, but um, yes. Yeah, so which I'm, is beautiful. I think that's such a wonderful thing to be. Yeah, I, I, I did cry. I did 100% cry. Um, but it's it's a lovely story. And again, anyone who's watching and listening, pre-order or it, depending when this episode goes out, buy <laughs> The Last Fallen Star. And then let me know in the comments later on if you cried, because I do not want to feel alone if I was the only one who cried. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it if I was the only one cried I may have to question a few things maybe I just need to speak to my therapist at some point I don't know um <laughs> if it makes you feel better there was one scene which I for spoiler reasons I will not divulge but um at one yeah while I was drafting one part of the book I also cried as I was oh, writing okay. oh and I feel bad that you did cry because I've always felt bad when other people cry but I, I also feel good that I wasn't the only one. <laughs> but tears are beautiful <laughs> They are, you know, mm, and I think yeah. even, I mean, they say, people say the good, you know, when, when you cry because something is so beautiful or something, or you're mm. so happy, so you cry, therefore yeah. crying is not all bad. But I actually also think the bad tears and the bad tears being sad tears or tears of anger, or I think those are also mm. very beautiful because we're human and we have emotions and we need to let them out or else we would implode, right? And so tears are a really effective way mm. <laughs> of expressing ourselves. I'm, and you know, I may say that because I may cry on many an occasion for many a thing. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, ashamed of that. That's cool. I, I hear cool. you with that. I've got to say, a cathartic cry is probably the best kind of cry. Like you've been feeling it brewing for a yeah. little while and then you just let it out. Oh, my yeah. God. Best feeling. Yeah. It's, Agreed. It's not nice to cry, but also at the same time when it's been brewing for a little while and then you do. It is lovely. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving away from tears. <laughs> Although I guess from the next question, it could be slightly tear related as well. Um <laughs> Um, so in kind of regards to the, the writing industry as a whole, um, it's noted a lot just in general how difficult it is to kind of break into the industry and often it, it requires some like knowing who to like rub shoulders with, like who to speak with. Um, and just kind of in general as well, writing a story that is considered like quote unquote out of the norm um, or featuring characters that don't represent frustratingly what fiction presents more often than not, which is usually, you know, 
white straight male occasionally the strong female character that usually comes out as well um what sort of advice would you offer to someone who is wanting to enter this industry who may already be at a slight disadvantage considering what they want to want to write um and for you yourself how did you break into the industry if you're able to share that story I think my biggest thing is that the biggest piece of advice I would give is that people think of writers and there's this kind of romantic but incredibly wrong image of a writer going into a shack right in the mountains deep in a a forest and then they just like type away and type away and type away and then they come out and it's finished the masterpiece is done and then the next scene you see of, is of them like living in a penthouse in New York and suddenly they're rolling in it and they're you know millionaires I feel like there's so many things that are wrong with that image and I think the first one is that writing is a solitary affair that you do once and it's done mm. so I think my first piece of advice would be to make sure sorry, this is a little before the industry part, but um, to make no sure that you surround yourselves with um, critique partners. Because mm. I think the whole point about writing is that you have to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And you it, you can't do it alone. I really truly believe that you need to have other voices in your mind to help you hone your craft. And you need to be wrong. Like you need to have been challenged and to find ways to find your voice. Um, and I think that's ongoing. You know. I, I feel like that journey is possibly never finished. So the constant revision and being able to accept um, feedback and to be able to apply that, is, I think is the first thing. But then the industry part I would say is think about it like a business mm. is what I would say, you know, like research the market as you would if you were starting a business selling perfumes or scented candles. I don't know, like you you have to know the market that you're selling to. And if you are selling, then you need to have a really good product, which is where that part before fits in, right? To make sure that the product is just not something that it's in beta phase. It's something that has been tested. You've done in tech terms, A-B testing. You've got, you know, consumer feedback. You've got something that is not only something you're really proud of, Um, and that is meaningful to you, but that makes sense in the market. Mm. Um, And do your research, you know. I think even, say, 10 years ago, people like me who live in New Zealand um, would not have been able to access as effectively the publishing industry, which is still very much centred in New York. Mm. But now, because of the internet, you know, so many of the tools that that allow you to learn the industry... um, are available to us, you know? And so I would really encourage people to, yeah, do their research, understand what is selling, um, understand what agents and editors are looking for, um, and know that although it's slow and there's so much more growth to happen, there is so much more awareness and acceptance of stories that don't fit the traditional bill anymore. You know, there's more acceptance of that. And that is an opportunity. You know, it can sound opportunistic, but it is the truth. It is an industry. Um, People still have bottom lines and profits. Um, And if it's working in our favor, this is the golden time for us to share our stories, you know, and hopefully it just gets better and bigger um, so that we can do more of that later. But 
and this is the chance and I think that's so exciting right Definitely. um yeah so exciting um so yeah I reckon do your research and think about your book as a product think about you yourself as a brand um and go in there informed you mm. know don't just query your book to any agent and sign with the first one that comes along just because you're so grateful someone is willing to represent you um it's hard yes but um and it's not guaranteed yes but um but I think it's just a mindset to think about it as uh as yeah a business I guess (laughs) All right. Amazing. Um, That is very, very useful. So for all my listeners and watchers who are writers who maybe are getting to that stage, listen to Gracie's advice. (laughs) Um, But um, just kind of in regard to that, to to kind of like finish, well, finalise a little bit um, everything we've been speaking about and to talk a little bit about the the last Fallen Star for a sort of fun question. Um, I know you asked your um, audiences for uh, I think it was an ARC giveaway um, competition some time ago um, obviously in the series there are oh god I hope I get this number right there are six gifted clans yes oh maths is never my strong suit for a second I was like it's either five <laughs> or six we'll go with six because that's a round number <laughs> um, <laughs> um, from the six gifted clans um what clan would you say that you yourself are a part of and why? I would say I probably fall into two of them. Um, I would say I am part Kum clan and the Kum clan are the witches who heal. Mm. Uh, and their motto is service and sacrifice and that is very much um, a big part of who I am as a person. I love to take care of the people um, in my life. Um, it's something that I think defines my identity. So I'd definitely be part of that. But I also love to eat. <laughs> and the Toki clan, the Toki clan are infusers. So they can enchant any substance um, with magic including potions and tonics, but also food, which is why um, a lot of the top restaurants um, you'll find in Los Angeles, where the book is set, are run by Toki witches. Obviously on the down low, because Saram, who are the non-magic, um, don't know that the gifted clans exist. So they just mm. think they're really good restaurants. But <laughs> um, And I, like I said, I just love food. I just think food is the best thing ever just because it tastes good but also because it is such a powerful tool for connecting people um so i would love to also be pat toki so toki and kum all right amazing um and just from what you said about the the toki clan i can now see why you became a cooking show host um so that ties (laughs) well together (laughs) but um that's amazing and yeah thank you so much for coming to to speak with me um to kind of finish up just let everyone know um when the book comes out where they can go uh, pre-order or buy depending when they may be listening to this and um mm-hmm. a final thought maybe or <laughs> or favorite quote maybe something like that go with whatever <laughs> 
Okay, sure. Um, so my book, The Last Fallen Star, about Korean-American witches in Los Angeles and one adopted girl search for belonging, comes out on May the 4th um, in the US. It actually may be a little later for the rest of the world, but I'm not quite sure of the dates. Um, but in any case, debuts first in the US on the 4th of May. Um, and in terms of where they can find um, the book, basically anywhere books are sold. Um, obviously, the big places like Amazon and Book Depository and where have you. But if you want to support your local book um, bookseller, then feel free to go and ask them to stop the book and they will be able to do that. Um, and gosh, a parting thought. It's Winnie the Pooh. And he says, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. I'll read it again. How lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. And it really has nothing to do with our conversation today, except for the Terry conversation that we had. <laughs> um, but I just love that quote. And I just think it, um, I, don't, I actually don't know. I think it's because I recently watched a movie where they had to say a, a very sad goodbye to someone who's passing away and the whole idea of goodbye being so so painful and why do humans have to go through this and I thought of that quote um because if you turn it around it's that um, saying goodbye is painful because you love them because of love and love is powerful definitely so random <laughs> random parting thought no that was an amazing parting thought I think that's <laughs> I wouldn't have come up with that I would just be like thank you for having <laughs> so, so but thank you also for content. having me <laughs> that's, I think that's the best that's the best send off the best quote the best way to end it and um yeah thank you for joining me it has honestly been an absolute pleasure being able to speak Aww, with you thanks, um, and I've noticed the entire time you've got um on, on your wall the cover of the last fallen star yeah um so um yeah so obviously you guys you can see it so as Gracie said go pre-order go buy go shout it to the world that everyone that you know should also go read and buy the last fallen star by Gracie Kim um and yeah it's mm. amazing and I really really hope that um more people buy the book and love your book as well um as much as so many people seem to have already um <laughs> thanks Bren. it's been so nice to talk to you you as well all right guys thank you so much for tuning in um and i will see slash speak to you guys next time bye